Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan. Today, we're here with Kaylin Query, and I am super stoked to have her here today. So she's the founder of Lexington Events, and that, for some reason, has been so hard for me to say. Lexington Events. <laughs> but I, I absolutely love um, what she's doing over here because she's really heavily involved in the events space. And in the coronavirus world, that's a very scary space to be in. And the cool thing about Kaylin is she took that experience and was able to basically develop in her podcast and everything around helping people to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we're going to really delve in today, getting through the coronavirus and really making your business thrive within it as well. So Kaylin, first off, say what's up to everybody and then we'll hop in. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I apologize. I've just realized that this uh, bucket of mortar is behind me. I'm having my kitchen redone. So sorry for that. Um, (laughs) But thanks for having me. It's, you know, it's virtual events as we were talking about earlier before we started recording are, I think, a thing of the future. And it's been a very interesting year and a couple of months. And I don't think that we're anywhere close to being done, quote unquote, yet. Um, but I'm excited to chat. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that'll be great. I'm excited. So for you, especially coming from the event space, the physical event space, you've been running events all over the country for multiple years now. So first off, what was the initial impact on your company and then how have you pivoted since then? So in Kentucky, obviously all the protocols and the guidelines are different state by state. Um, there are federal mandates, but when this first happened and, and really since there've not been many federal mandates, Um, But then each state makes their own guidelines and mandates. And then city level, um, cities can come in and they can't be less strict than the state, but they can be more strict than the state. So you essentially have to look at what are the federal mandates and then the state and then the city of wherever you're hosting an event. In Kentucky, which is where we are based, things for events shut down on March 17th and they did not open back up until July 1st. And that was a hard, like you cannot even be inside your building with employees, with tours, with anything. Um, No client meetings, nothing in person from March to July. So that was not great for an event professional because what we did prior to COVID was in person. I mean, virtual events really weren't that popular. They weren't that prevalent. Um, So, you know, pivot is a nice word. We had a hard concrete block that we ran into um, and very quickly had to initially start just running through the list and canceling everything. And, you know, it was a, we don't know if we're rescheduling it. We don't know. Of course, at first, obviously I was telling all my clients, this will pass. This is going to be a month in April. We'll be fine. May will be fine. And then April, May would come and I'd be like, June and July, we're going to be fine. Summer is here. Summer's coming. We're going to be fine. Then summer would roll around and I was like, I have no idea what's happening anymore. I don't know. So, you know, you have to start looking at, do we cancel? Do we reschedule? Do we postpone? Like, what do we do? Uh, What's best for the client? What's best for their ticket holders and their guests? You know, what are vendors allowing you to do? So there's a lot of steps in that, but um, you know, obviously virtual was the, the initial option. And a lot of people did move to virtual events. And I think 
a hybrid of virtual and in-person will be uh, the model moving forward. Some events just aren't conducive to that. You know, music festivals hard to do virtually. That's the bulk of the allure of a festival is being in person. Um, but, you know, conferences, um, certain parts of trade shows, uh, continuing education classes, things of that nature are easily done online. We've had a lot of nonprofit fundraisers move to a virtual, you know, format. So, um, you know, we had to pivot pretty hard. And, you know, in July, when things reopened, it was 50%, well, in July, it was 30% capacity um, plus social distancing. Now in Kentucky, it's 50% capacity plus social distancing. And most of the states in the surrounding area are at a similar standpoint. There are some states that are completely open. There are some states that are still completely closed. So we have to kind of adjust based on where we're going. But, um, you know, it was, it's an interesting year for sure. But that gave us an opportunity to kind of look at, you know, where, how, what kind of events do we want to be involved in? I mean, now that we have been forced to stop and take a break, let's look at our business model. Let's look at what we're charging. Let's look at what kind of events we're involved in. And, and do we want to move forward with all of these things in this way? Are there things that we want to cut? Yes. Um, are there people that we want to cut out? Clients? Yes. Um, so this gave us an opportunity, a forced opportunity to you know, reevaluate all of those things. Um, but that also gave us an opportunity to kind of, as you mentioned, you know, me personally, to look at some other projects that I had in the works, um, the podcast, the book that I've finished, things of that nature, and kind of get that rolling, which helps the business. Um, you know, it, it's all, it all just kind of works together. So it's been an interesting year. Yeah, I love that. Well, and, and the reality is, I mean, <laughs> If somebody, if everybody tells you that they weren't even hit by it, they're lying to you. I, th I think in the digital space, we weren't hit as hard for sure. I mean, for some, like for us, we actually had a lot of spike in business, but initially we were working with a lot of small businesses that had brick and mortar businesses. We lost 70% of our clients right at the beginning, but then a month later we had recouped it with other things because we decided, right. Hey, let's, let's pivot. Let's focus on, on our areas of genius. And it actually kind of allowed us to, as you said, fire the, the clients that you didn't want to work with and clean up, right. And, and systematize and make it so, so simple. Um, that's what 2020 was for us is it allowed us to yeah. just kind of realign, simple, simplify everything and, and go, you know, cruising forward. And, you know, one of the things about your story that intrigued me is that you really took this time to build your personal brand and yourself as a person. I know we talked about this as one of the points that um, we were both kind of laughing at, at the beginning is that both you and I are doing our MBAs in the evening and people will ask us why <laughs> you have companies like you both have successful companies. What are, yeah. what are you doing? Right. And I, and I want to ask you that. Why, why have you decided to focus on that side? Yeah. I mean, the, an MBA. So I'm enrolled in LSU uh, for an online MBA and uh, I'm doing an accelerated master's certificate program through Notre Dame. Um, luckily the two term, like they're on a term system instead of a semester and their terms alternate. So when I have a break in one, the other one's going, which means I'm in school all the time, but right now, I mean, we're just not having as many in-person events. Now things are starting to pick back up, but you know, it had always been on my list, everything shut down. So now I have time 
everyone's moved to online platform. I mean, the classes, now I will say some of the classes I'm teaching myself, which is a little different. And I'm very proud at the grade that I'm getting, considering that I'm teaching and learning at the same time. Um, but, you know, as an entrepreneur, I always want, and just as a person, I like learning. I always want to continue to learn. Um, some of these classes for my MBA, it's funny, you know, I write these papers and the professors will say, you, you should be teaching these classes. You're writing these papers and all, you can give 20 examples of crisis management, you know, divestment, whatever the topic is that week. I can give you probably 32 examples from the week prior of things that have happened. Um, but there are things in each class that I'm learning, things that I can apply to my business or multiple businesses. Uh, and it, it always, I'm always looking three, four steps ahead. So I've got some long-term goals and plans for myself that this is a part of, um, along with just continual education and continual growth, which I think is always important. Oh, I completely agree. And the funny thing that we've been seeing, and this is something I'm very, very passionate about, and it's been so interesting to me recently talking to so many successful people, how many people have taken this time to step back. It is a time to build your personal brand, right? Because you've got all this time. Why don't you just share what you know, right? Yep. Build your brand, get people excited about you as a person, and then whatever you're doing, it will grow from there. But I think it's so intriguing to watch the way people handle the crisis here, right? That they're saying, okay, a lot of people are just closing their doors and giving up. And some people are um, acting as if nothing's happened. <laughs> like, you know, you've talked about yeah. people come on your podcast. No, it's all great. It's like bull. <laughs> I yeah. highly doubt that. <laughs> We're in the same town. I know it's not great. <laughs> you're, you're closed down. So I want to ask you this. When it comes to building your own personal brand in in connection with your physical brand, like you have, how have you found um, to delineate between the two and where do those two kind of meet? Yeah. So I, I'm obviously in the event space. Um, so I try to focus on things that I know well. Um, I'm very specific and very intentional about what I will agree to do. Um, obviously I, I know what I know and it's small business, it's entrepreneurship, it's events, it's things of that nature. Anything outside of those topics, I'm probably not going to speak on in a public or semi-public way. So when I'm looking at building my brand, you know, I um, do a lot of guest lecturing at that. We have several colleges and universities in close proximity of the town that I live in. Um, and I will only talk, uh, you know, and teach if it's small business, entrepreneurship, uh, event planning, et cetera, anything outside of that. And I'm going to decline. Um, the podcast is related to small business. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly of owning, running, operating, starting, working for, working with small business. Um, and really that started as a way for me to kind of personally just vent or, um, catalog or whatever my experience is. And then I realized that we're all having the experience. We're just not talking about it. So, you know, doing that, but then people start to look to that as kind of a point of reference or a support system, so to speak. And, you know, we've got people that look forward to those episodes to say, you know, I'm, I'm starting a business or I'm interested in starting a business or I have an idea and I just don't know how to get there. So I'm going to go here and listen to these people. And the way that I approach those episodes is here's the topic. Here's some guests or a guest or 
multiple guests that have done this thing really well. And then I'm going to tell you all the ways that I didn't do it well. Um, ways that it cost me too much money, cost me too much time, cost me too much headache. Um, you know, and I, the, I learned through making mistakes, unfortunately. Um, now I only make those mistakes once or twice, depending on the mistake, but you know, the best way for me to say how not to do something, I'm not going to come on here and say, I'm so great at this one thing. Listen to me. And I'm the expert. And I do the same thing teaching class. I go in and say, here are the ways that this went way wrong. Here are three people who do it really well. And let's talk about the differences. Um, so I'm going to save you money and time. And these people are going to guide you in a positive way. And, you know, and let's talk about it and let's make it a little bit more lighthearted. Um, I spent a lot of the time during the pandemic lobbying on behalf of small business and event and the event industry in Kentucky. Um, the event industry in Kentucky does not have an association and I am the policy council chair for the small business uh, council for the state chamber in Kentucky. So we spent a lot of time, obviously, lobbying for um, guidelines and, and more information regarding shutdown for small businesses, um, updated information on Triple P and EIDL and all the different grants and loans that were available in our state, um, you know, Anything and everything COVID related to events and small business, I was on the committee or, you know, leading some task force or inserting myself, whether I was asked to or not, um, to get information for myself, but then also to share that with other small business owners. So, you know, I became the face of that in a certain degree, um, which just further puts me in a position that people see me as a source of knowledge, a resource. Um, you know, somebody who's involved and connected in those ways. And it's just kind of snowballed in all these, you know, each piece is individual, but interconnected in some way, uh, which is also why I'm very specific to stay in the small business entrepreneurship event planning world, because anything outside of that doesn't mesh with what I know, who I am and, and how I've positioned myself. Um, you know, how I promote that, you know, I've got each company has its own website, its own email address, its own whatever. And then I kind of merge them on the back end. Now the client can't see that. Um, but that helps them see an individual brand. You know, what I don't want is if somebody wants to hire us for planning an event, but they don't care about the lobbying side, I don't want them emailing you know, hello at kaylinquery.com, which is my uh, consulting, lobbying, um, guest speaking platform and vice versa. If they're calling me for that, they don't need to go through the event planning, you know, platform. Um, sometimes it can get a little confusing for clients if they are involved with us in multiple different arenas, but it just takes a little extra effort on our part to be specific and delineate. And, you know, we have to make sure we're very organized and all of that, but it has been very beneficial. Uh, the other piece of that is if you search our name in Kentucky, 27 million things are going to pop up, which just helps further establish us as the go-to for those topics. Yeah. And, and I love that because you know, you're taking this opportunity to just expand. And a lot of people are saying, okay, my, my sales numbers are declining. So what do I do? It's like, well, spend time and money expanding everything else because when it opens back up, 
your income is going to jump to meet that. Yeah. Jump to meet that work. I think a lot of people aren't taking that into consideration. It's like, these are the moments for you to just, it's a, it's a blessing really more than a curse. Yeah. So I, I really love that. But, and I want to ask you this, Kaylin, because you, you know, this is really the premise around a lot of like your book, your podcast and you know, your lifestyle really there's, you've worked with so many small businesses and we talk a lot about what to do, but I love how you talk about what not to do. So for you, what would you say are kind of like the big three not to do's of a small business? Oof. Um, not to do would be not hiring an attorney. You have to hire an attorney. That is the one expense that, you know, when you're a small business, especially when you're starting out or an entrepreneur, you know, you're trying to keep costs and expenses as low as possible. Um, depending on the type of business, you know, normally you probably don't have a lot of capital um, or you never have enough capital, which would be my second point. But um, hiring an attorney is the single most important thing you can do as a startup anything, because there's so many things that you don't know. And if you set it up the wrong way, you're going to have to pay an attorney later to fix it. Um, you potentially, I mean, I've, I have closed businesses because of contracts that I wrote. I know nothing about writing con. I mean, I do now cause I've done, I've been in enough court cases to learn what they say, but, um, you know, you, when you start out, that's just one thing you don't know. And it's going to cost you a lot less to have the attorney do it on the front end than it is to have them fix it on the back end. When you start from scratch, it's very different than when you give them a 10 page contract that you've drafted, you know, with combined clauses and whatever. And then they basically have to go through line by line and tell you why this is terrible. Um, you know, and then filing, you, what kind of business do you need to file as, um, you know, how do you get your corporation set up? I mean, there are so many things that you just need an attorney for, and it costs you so much less money to do it on the front end. Um, you know, with that capital, I mean, you never have enough money, whatever you think you need, you need to triple it because if any, if you're short on anything, it's money and time. Um, and then the biggest thing I would say not to do would be overcommit yourself. You know, I think, and, and I've done this, I don't do it now because I've learned enough the hard way, but the first couple of businesses I started, I think I thought that as a new business, if I wasn't just slammed busy, then it meant that I wasn't popular. People didn't like me. My company or service or product wasn't worth it. So I would overcommit myself. Um, and you end up working seven days a week, you know, 25 hours a day, which means you're exhausted and you're not putting forth good effort for the clients that you are booking. And it, to be honest, eventually it starts to turn people away. I mean, and now when I talk to companies that seem like they're overcommitted, I step back and say, you aren't, you don't have the capacity to take me on as a client or to provide this service or this product. And then I look back to when I first started, I'm like, good Lord, I can't believe people let us do their events with how busy we were and seemed. And, and, you know, part of it is you're new and you're trying to make money. So you take everything that comes your way, but, and it's, it's hard to learn, but saying no ends up allowing you to say yes to things that are bigger and better and matter. Um, you know, it's a little hard to see that in the beginning, but saying no and not over committing would be the, you know, another, my third big thing. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, that was three rock solid pieces of advice because, you know, one of my favorite quotes, and it comes from Dean Graciosi, you know, he's like, everybody makes a to-do list. I make a not to-do list. Yeah. You know, and I, he, his whole business has like 
is centered around that. And I love that concept. We've even applied that in our company because like you said, when you remove those, those big blocks, like you talked about earlier in the interview, you know, running into those concrete blocks, if you remove those things, everything opens up to you. It's yeah. the craziest thing. Even saying no to big contracts, like you said, yeah. put down contracts that like made me sick. We were turning it down sometimes. Yeah. And, but it opens up to better. something bigger and better, you know? And, oh. and even if it's not something you've turned down, if it's something you've lost, uh, we've lost contracts, we've lost clients or we had them and, you know, we just weren't seeing eye to eye and you look at the money that you're losing or the exposure or the potential connections and not once, even when we've bankrupted companies and whether it was a chosen or forced or, you know, whatever, shut it down. Maybe it was didn't file bankruptcy, but it just wasn't going well. So we shut it down every time, it, you know, and obviously it, it hurts and it's unfortunate and you don't want to do it, but not once have we done it and something bigger and better not come our way that we wouldn't have been able to take or do if the other thing hadn't stopped. Yeah, I completely so. agree. And, and p- some people just won't believe it. I honestly don't think you'll believe it until you've experienced it. And so you have you have to try once, just do it once. You're like when you yeah. know when you just know that client's going to be bad. We just had one. I believed in everything that they were doing, every single thing. But I had this weird feeling, I'm like this this reminds me way too much of this really bad client we had. And it was one of these clients that where they appeared really amazing. We jumped into it with them, and about two weeks in, it, it was immediately apparent this was not who we should be working with. And it was like a six month relationship. We'll never get those six months back. Right. And, uh, but when we saw that with this client, I was like this potential client, we turned it down. And I remember even some of our employees were like, what are you doing? Why did you turn that one down? That was like a guaranteed sale. Um, but it was, it was a great, great move for our company. You know, we yeah. had a lot of larger contracts come in right after that. We had the time to take on things. Like you said, it's just, it's, yeah. It's an amazing Absolutely. Thing. Well, and you don't know how to see the red flags for those potential clients or contracts until you've taken them and have to deal with them and have to turn down other stuff because this one client's taking up 80% of your time. So, you know, you're like you said, once you do it once or twice or a couple of times, you learn how to pick up on those red flags. And, you know, I've gotten very good at firing clients and turning down business, which sounds like the opposite of what you'd want to do when you're a business owner and an entrepreneur, but it's not because, you know, if I take business that doesn't meet our mission and doesn't follow along with what we're trying to achieve, and it's not something that we would be good at, and we're not going to benefit them. They're not going to benefit us. It's a two-way street. I mean, yes, they're paying us for a service, but I want to benefit you in some way. I want to bring some value to what we're doing, not just run your event. I can run your event with my eyes closed. I want this to be a good relationship and potentially a long-term relationship. Even if it's not this same event, this could be a one-off event, but maybe you have something else down the road or you, you have a child that's getting married and our wedding team can do their wedding. Or, you know, you've got another company that's having a big festival or employee appreciation, um, whatever. I mean, I want all of those. So, you know, I want this to be a long-term relationship. And if I can't benefit you in some way and you can't benefit me more than just you pay me money and I produce your event, then it's probably not a good fit. So figuring out how to read those red flags. And once you learn it, I mean, it only takes a couple of times to then realize where those road, road bumps are and then soon as someone says it on the phone or in an interview, you're like, nope, we are not available for this. Thanks. 
for us, one of those words is we're a one-stop shop. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> Sorry, we're not going to work well together. Um, okay, so I want to ask you this. First off, Kaylin, where can people get in communication with you? Yeah, so the website's the easiest, kaylinquery.com. Um, and, you know, you can find us with the podcast, the book, the consulting, the events, all that. We've got lots of fun things going on uh, right now, lots of lobbying, and, and we're still kind of getting things back up and running. Um, restrictions in Kentucky are starting to kind of lighten. Um, you know, I think states around us are starting to lighten as well. You know, and we've seen that clients with events, especially, they're starting to realize that they need to start planning. Even if it's for 2022, uh, we've got to get back in the habit of getting ready for these events. But I also think people are so ready to be in person, even if that means social distancing, even if that means masks, even if it means a hybrid, you know, where part of the events in person and part of the events virtual, people are ready to be doing things. We've watched everything there is on Netflix. We've all baked 27 loaves of bread and we're finishing redoing our house. So there's nothing left except to go back to work and go back to events and go back to what nor whatever normal is going to look like moving forward. So that's what we're doing now. So we'd love to connect with folks, but that's how you find us. And of course, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all the things. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to link all of that up so everybody can access that for you as well. And then one final question for you, Kaylin. If you could give one final parting piece of guidance to an entrepreneur, what would that be? You've got to give it some time. It's you're going to hit a lot of, of road bumps. You're going to hit a lot. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. Um, you're always going to need more time and more money, but you've got to give it a little bit of time. Um, you know, it takes time to get the business up and running. It takes time to get your format figured out. It takes time to really figure out. I mean, you may have a great product or a great idea or service or whatever, but it's it's not ever going to look like four months down the road, four years down the road, 40 years down the road, it's not going to look the same as it did in your head when you first started it. Um, the business, you know, I keep all of my uh, business plans. So I have them, the original one for the event company, which was supposed to be a nonprofit uh, that produced events that went into a general fund that would write checks to other nonprofits in the area, which is nowhere near close to what we do now. Um, but, you know, remembering that you've got this idea, but it's going to have to tweak based on what your customers need. It's going to have to tweak based on what your area can sustain and, you know, pricing and all of that. So giving it time to really get things figured out is key. Um, making sure that you have more money is key. And then, you know, there are times where you've given it time, you've given it money, you've given it all of your energy, and sometimes it just doesn't work and you've got to walk away. That doesn't mean you walk away forever. It could be that you just need to wait until the market's better or, you know, the industry's better or whatever. It could be that it's just not a sustainable model and you put a pin in it or you shut it down and you never talk about it again, except for when you're on podcasts, telling people about all the things you've done wrong. <laughs> so more time, give it time give it some money. You always need more money. I feel like everything, it's like you, you budget and you plan, but then something comes up. You've got to have a big miscellaneous expense line on that P&L. 
I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Lucky Titan Podcast. If you want to fill your favorite platform with dream customers, then come join myself and thousands of others of hosts at theluckytitan.com slash tribe. Here you can find guests for your show, get featured on other shows, and discover the secrets to building an audience of raving fans. So once again, go create your free account at theluckytitan.com slash tribe.